0: What's up? My name is Greg Schnose, host of the Bevo Broadcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Do us a huge favor. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave that five-star rating. That would be doing us a solid. and We would very much appreciate you doing so. Well, as we usually start these off, I always usually ask, how we we feeling, Texas fans? And the only thing I could come up with was, Whew, man, that was a lot closer than it should have been, right? The theme of this one's going to be the good, bad, and the ugly, at least the Iowa State recap of the podcast, because there are some good things Texas did. There were some bad things and then some flat-out ugly things. But speaking of ugly, I had a coach tell me a long time ago, I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day. And that's what it was. It was an ugly win, but it was a win. And you will take that because, again, as I said, when the Texas, after they beat Oklahoma, going into that, I guarantee there was a huge segment of people out there, if Texas loses, they run into their keyboards, they're grabbing their phone, and they run into social media, oh, Texas can't do this, they flop, they choke, blah, blah, blah. And the, and the theme for this one would have been, oh, it's a trap game, it's a trap game, Texas isn't going to win this one, they can't, there's no way they can win this, they, 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 they just don't do these things, right? Well... I get that to a point, but at some point, your thought process has to change. What your eyes are showing you should tell you a different story. Texas last year doesn't win this game or the year before last or have any number of years in recent memory. This year's team is a little bit different. Again, I go back to that Alabama game. Quinn Ewers in Texas was hanging with the number of what? Number one, number two team in the country at the time and probably wins that game if the quarterback doesn't get hurt. So, we could, woulda, coulda, should all day long. The point is, your eyes should show you and tell you something different. You're stuck on something in your head that, well, this is what they always do, so that's what they're always going to be. Well, until they show you something else, which pretty much they did this past Saturday, you can keep telling yourself and selling that narrative over and over and over. At some point, you're going to be proven wrong. And I think you've already been proven wrong already, if you still believe that. But Iowa State, give them credit. They have an outstanding defense, maybe the best in the Big 12. But Quinn were still threw three touchdown passes. Xavier Worthy left some guy in the dust on a fourth down, when it, one of the biggest plays in the game that Texas needed. Texas won on that down easily. Easily. So keep perpetuating this narrative that Texas is going to fall on their face and you're just waiting for that to happen. That's fine. But I think this team's turning the corner. Now, like I've always said throughout this entire year, manage your expectations. Well, I think we're getting to the point where, like, okay, we can maybe push those expectations a little higher now. Because Texas did win an ugly game, where they didn't play their best, where the quarterback didn't look the best, where they had Casey Kane drop a, drop a touchdown, which was what happened there. <laughs> like, oh my goodness! Uh, Texas defense made plays when they needed to. So that's the good. Bijan going for one hundred and thirty-five and twenty-eight carries and four catches for thirty-six, and him and Roshan combining for two hundred and six yards. That's the good. The bad, like I said, when yours early did not. I don't know if it was uncomfortable or whatever the case was, but he did not look like that guy that we saw in the Oklahoma game by any stretch. I mean, that OU game, it was just he was carving him up. Now, maybe there's obviously some more juice to that one because it's a huge rivalry. He's a DFW kid. He grew up a Texas fan. No offense to Iowa State, but no kid who dreams of playing in Texas thinks, like, man, I can't wait to play Iowa State. Sorry, it is what it is. They they just don't. <laughs> it's just. OU is the biggest one on the schedule every year or so, especially a kid from the Dallas area, Dallas-Fort Worth area, because Southlake's kind of in the middle there. But so, again, maybe it's an early start. It's after you just beat the brakes off of your rival. But they did enough to win. But things that, do look, that were a little bit concerning, third down, my goodness. Texas defense could not get off the field on third down. That's definitely the ugly part of this. I mean, oh, I mean, I just – first down, great. Second down, great. Oh, third and 15, third and 18, doesn't matter. Fourth and 12, doesn't matter. It just was beyond frustrating as a Texas fan watching that. And Ryan Watts, here's a crazy stat for you. Ryan Watts got hurt in the second quarter, did not play the rest of the game. He finished the game as as the second leading tackler for a guy that didn't play a complete, like an entire second half and part of the second quarter. So, and we saw once those replacements came in for him at corner, how things looked in the secondary how dire the situation was and how open some guys were for Iowa state so but give them credit they 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 were able to move the ball in texas for an offense that's been completely inept that's why i predicted texas would win in a convincing fashion because iowa state's offense was just pretty pretty bad going into this kicking nothing but field goals so give them credit for what they did and how they were able to uh establish things and get things going but Texas, they made enough plays when they had to. Xavier Worthy, like I said, on fourth down, getting that TD was absolutely needed to give Texas the lead. You know, Bijan did his thing. Roshan did his thing. Quinn Ewers did not turn the ball over. Didn't have his best game, but he still threw three touchdowns, and he had zero turnovers. I'll take that. (laughs) I'll take that as a Texas fan. My quarterback doesn't turn the ball over, throws three touchdown passes. All things considered, if you hear that before a game and you go, hey, Yours is throwing three TDs. He's not going to turn it over once. No fumbles, no picks, no nothing. Do you think they win? I will say more often than not, yeah, I'll take that because as long as you're not turning the ball over, like Iowa State did in the second quarter when they threw an interception in the end zone, those kind of things will bite you in a close game when you don't execute and you don't make plays. So give Texas credit. They they play, They fought. They played a tough game. And the defense made the plays when they had to. So, trap game, schmap game, whatever. (laughs) And that's gone. So, that. And of course, we can't talk about this the elephant in the room. And I'll talk about it. And this is my thoughts. And this is how I feel about any kind of uh, sporting event, especially football. I don't want to hear about the targeting, not targeting, should have been this, should have been that kind of call. Bottom line is if you are waiting on an official to make a call or not make a call, that goes in your favor, depending on how the call goes, and then that doesn't, and then you blame that for the loss, sorry, that's just, that's, I I can't subscribe to that. I just mentioned here two running backs for Texas, 39 carries, 206 yards. What did the refs do to cause you to mess that up all day long, Iowa State? Should I play the Jeopardy theme? Oh, I got more. Uh, I mentioned Xavier Worthy on fourth down. What did the refs do to cause you to get your uh, DB shook out of his jock? On that play, Iowa State. I'll wait. Oh wait, oh wait. Yo, no response. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> How about when you're your Xavier wide receiver, wide open as can be, catch that ball in stride. Don't leave your feet. Don't jump like RG three said in the broadcast. You walk in for a touchdown. Game's over. Make the play. Simple as that. That targeting thing never even happens. If you just catch the ball, if you don't throw an interception in the second quarter that gets picked off in the end zone, that's points off the board right there. Just saying, if you want to complain about a call, you didn't watch the entire game. Were were all the Iowa State fans when Texas was getting mugged? When Xavier Worthy was getting held? Where were were your your Twitter fingers at then? Were Were you screaming bloody murder that, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't call pass interference here? No, you didn't care. So if you want to scream and complain and whine about a call that did or didn't go your way, well, don't throw picks in the end zone. Don't let the other team control the clock in the second half, run for over 200 yards or two running backs. Don't get shook out of your jock on the goal line for a TD, and then don't drop a wide-open TD. Those are four things right there that have way more impact than a referee's call. I don't want to hear it. I absolutely refuse to hear it. A referee's call does not make or break a game. There are so many opportunities in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, and then in the fourth, where you could have done better, you could have executed better to win the football game. You obviously aren't a good enough football team, just like Bill Parcells used to always say. You are what your record says you are. Well, Iowa State, what's your record? Case closed. On to Oklahoma State, shall we? (laughs) Whew. this one, I said in the very first of these broadcasts, Vivo broadcasts I do here, I said this This is the game I pointed to all along. I didn't think Oklahoma was going to be a contender for the Big 12 championship. I thought bringing in a new coach that's a defensive-minded guy was – I didn't think Oklahoma was going to have a seamless transition. I just thought there's no way they come in and they don't skip a beat. I just didn't believe that. They lost a quarterback. They lost a wide They lost guys in the recruiting class, the transfer portal – OU is not going to be the same. So I anticipated this game here late October with Oklahoma State and Texas, this was going to decide who wins the Big 12 championship. And this could very well be the rematch of the Big 12 championship. Who knows how things shake out. But if Spencer Sanders is 100% and he's not, I predict Oklahoma State winning this game. It's on the road. They've got a great defense. Excuse me. They've got a great offense. Mike Gundy's always had that thing going offensively in Stillwater. So you can criticize a lot of things about Mike Gundy and what happened this past Sunday, but, or excuse me, Saturday, the man can coach offense. The man can get teams to score points. And that's always been uh, something that they've had very little problems doing in in, uh, Oklahoma State. But Sanders is not 100%. He's banged up. There was even rumors that he wasn't even going to play last week. So – he's not hundred percent. He's thrown for less than 50% completion set percentage in his last two games. It's his throwing shoulder. Uh, I mean, it just sounds like this. If everybody was healthy across the board, I would take Oklahoma state and Spencer Sanders. And I jokingly said, talk to a friend who's a OSU guy that I swear. Spencer Sanders has been there since like Colt McCoy was at Texas. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, Oh man, you remember that McCoy, uh, Sanders matchup back in 2008. It seems like this guy's been the quarterback at OSU forever. Obviously, we get the whole COVID year and everything like that, but still, I don't even know if he, I think this is what, I think 2018, he was a freshman. So 18, 19, 20, 21, so 22. So yeah, maybe he takes that advantage of the COVID year and he's still on campus, obviously. But highly regarded, uh, uh, highly regarded recruit coming out of uh, the DFW area when he was a recruit getting, uh, Recruited, obviously, end up at Oklahoma State, and is a very capable quarterback. But a guy with a banged up throwing shoulder, accuracy is being affected. Uh, obviously, the TCU game—I I don't know what happened. Up, you know, Oklahoma State was up twenty-four-seven, and then they end up losing it. So, I, if I'm if I'm going to predict it, I'm going with Texas, and it's going to be probably. I'm not going to predict a big match, big wide margin here, victory for Texas. I'll probably give Texas. You know, if I'm going to throw out something, probably eh, maybe like 27 to, I don't know, 19, something like that. Uh, the defensive line for Oklahoma State is very impressive. They've got some some NFL-quality type players on that front. But their secondary is their weakness. And I think we saw that in the game against TCU, where the longer they were out there, the longer the, those, the game went into overtime things like that, those big boys up front got tired. And I think that secondary is the weakness at Oklahoma State. So if you have – a team like Texas that has a better quarterback than TCU does. I mean, I guess Max Duggan's more of an all-around threat. Maybe I don't know, be better. But let's just say different. Let's just say that. Poor everybody uh, goes. Oh my God, how could you say that? But you know, let me rephrase that. Duggan is more of an all-around dual-threat type of guy, right? He can run it, he can throw it. Quinn Ewers is more of a pro pocket, pro style type of offense, stay in the pocket, that kind of thing. He can scramble, do things, but if yours is moving around in the pocket, it's not look, he's not looking to take off and run. If there's something opens up and you know, he can get a few yards and get a first down and slide. I think yours is more than capable of doing that and will recognize it and do so. But obviously two different skill sets there, but point is the secondary and the D line, they go hand in hand on any football team. If you can get after the quarterback that helps your secondary out. And I think, the longer this game goes and the the way that Texas is able to run the ball with two running backs that Roshan would Roshan Johnson would start pretty much anywhere else in the country. I mean, outside of your your power teams, you know, your Bamas, your Georgias, and uh, you know, the 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 name squads that we all know about Michigans, Ohio states like that, I would say this kid would have probably started 95% of the other colleges in this country as their starting tailback. So Texas has the ability to run the ball. And then I, I anticipate Texas maybe trying to do a little bit more tempo, try to keep the thing, keep, you know, get keep these guys constantly trying to rush the passer. You know, you know, have them, you know, drop back, try to rush the passer, run the passer, and then you uh run Bijan, you know, run a screen to Bijan or Roshan or do something, line up a wildcat hand drop. Get these guys on their heels, so to speak, and have them, you know, kind of gassed, and then your secondary, that hurts them because they're not gonna be able to cover as long because if the quarterback's getting rushed and getting off his spot or having to scramble, throw it out of bounds, and that's a win for the defense across the board. But I just see Texas with the skill set that they have, and the power, uh, running game that they're bringing, They can, plus they can throw it with Ewers. And then Whittington caught his first touchdown for Texas. Congrats to the young man who's fought through so many injuries just to get back on the field. So he's having a good season. But Xavier Worthy, Bijan, Ewers, JT Sanders, I think Texas will be able to move the ball, and it'll probably start off slow. It might be a slow game in the beginning. But I think Sanders, if his accuracy and that shoulder is banged up and his accuracy is affected like it has been the past couple of weeks, I could see Texas maybe getting an interception or two off of that, putting Texas in a short field, getting points off of those turnovers, and then that puts them behind the eight ball. Because if you got a quarterback that's banged up and if you give the other team any momentum on the road, that's that takes a crowd out of it. That takes – everything goes – all the advantage you have at the home team, especially in a place like Oklahoma State. I have a buddy who played football at Texas, and on the podcast I do on my own, I asked him in a where was the craziest place that he played at. And this is a guy that played in the late 90s. So he played at Nebraska when Nebraska was still a great football team and in that environment. Uh, played at the Rose Bowl. Against UCLA. So, granted, you said, actually, UCLA was really good back then too. Kate McNown was a Eisman Trophy uh, finalist back then in 98. So, obviously, the Cotton Bowl, Texas OU. Uh, I'm trying to think of other places uh, that my man Anthony Hicks had played at. But the one thing that he mentioned, he said, Out of all these places, and he said, but Oklahoma State, he goes, and this is a direct quote, he goes, and those freaking paddles. And I'm not just Cleaning that up, those are the exact words he said. Those freaking paddles, they're right on top of you, and they're just those paddles all night long. Because that sideline, you could literally be like, you know, standing on the sideline, turn around and like high five the people in the front row because they are right on top of you. It might not be the biggest stadium, like attendance wise, like numbers wise, it's not ninety thousand, hundred thousand, but it's a good enough size stadium, and they are right on top of you. And then those paddles, so they get into it. Plus, the Texas, they've gotten the better of Texas for probably the better half of more than half of a decade now. So uh, where Texas had that dominant run where they seem like to beat them and have a huge lead and then come back and, you know, ho-hum win by, you know, three four touchdowns in the end. But that that stadium and those paddles and that environment, if Texas can – if Spencer Sanders is not 100% and he turns the ball over early and Texas can – if Bijan if they can get a drive, get a touchdown, or, you know, you know let's say they get a turnover and Sark goes deep on the first play and he hits Worthy or Sanders for a big play, and they get a touchdown out of it shortly thereafter. That takes everything out of that crowd, and they're going to be as quiet as a library, and that just plays into Texas's hands. So I think Texas wins this game. I'm not going to predict a big margin. Like I said, what I say, like maybe 27-19 is going to be the final. Texas has uh, a really good chance to run the table the rest of this year. They've still got some tough teams in front of them. Obviously, TCU. Who saw that coming? Raise your hand if you saw TCU doing what they were going to be doing this year. I certainly didn't. Uh but they look legit. They look like the real deal. That one's going to be in Austin this year. So that that'll be a a good game for Texas and a measuring stick for TCU as well. See who's the best team. And but yeah, for as far as you know, Texas, it's a bye week next week. You got Oklahoma State this week. It's it's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be a dogfight. I, I think Texas gets the better of it. The longer this game goes into yeah, you know, second half, third quarter, we get to the fourth quarter. I think Texas will have uh, established the run probably have the lead and just kind of be able to just keep the ball kind of like they did against Iowa state, have those long drives, but defensively, they got to fix this defense in, off, on third down PK Gary Patterson. I don't care who they call, call Ghostbusters, call anybody, uh, <laughs> you know, anybody and anyone, I don't care who it is. I mean, uh, But that third down defense was atrocious. That was definitely the ugly part of the Iowa State game. Could not get off the field. So I could care less what you do on first down. If you get two sacks on first and second down and it's third and 20 and they convert third 20, who cares what you did on first and second? They converted third down again. (laughs) So I think it was close to 70% for the game. And in the second half, it was crazy high. I mean, it was just like every third down Oklahoma, excuse me, Iowa State got. It was just like, okay, here we go again. I mean, some of them almost wanted to close my eyes. I don't want to see it. So, uh, but yeah, but ugly win, we'll take it. So, hey, maybe it'll be another ugly win this week for Texas. Maybe they, they, hopefully they don't start off too slow, but if they can just weather the storm early, that would be my biggest concern going into this. It's a road game. Texas with Sark has been terrible on the road. Period, end of story. Had a 17-point lead on the road at Lubbock. Offense did not hold up their end of the bargain. Defense got worn out, and eventually they gave it up. Had a chance to win it in overtime, and Bijan fumbled. So there's definitely a concern on my my side of this thing with the Texas Longhorns because until they do it, until they win a tough game on the road, you have to be very worried because I think last week was a turning point. It's a tough game, early start, after you beat your rival. Everybody was screaming trap game, trap game, trap game. And Texas was able to weather that storm. I don't care about the targeting. I mentioned multiple things Iowa State could have done better to win that football game. So, again, I, I don't want to hear it. Targeting, I've been, as a Longhorn fan, how many times has DeMarvion get called for targeting in the most ridiculous fashion? I mean, you go if, if you want to complain about referees and targeting, just watch for Bryce Young gets hit in the end zone against Texas and doesn't get hit in the head. But somehow, some way, Texas got called for targeting. And the refs did their little uh, conference there on the field and figured out, okay, it's not a targeting call. But somehow it went from a safety to a targeting to not a safety to not targeting to roughing the pass or something goofy. So I don't want to hear that Texas gets all these great calls all the time because if you watch that whole game against Iowa State, there's plenty of times where the receivers were getting held and they didn't get called. So be that as it may. (laughs) Great win against Iowa State. Tough game, ugly game. But, hey, I'll take ugly win all day long. They win another ugly one this week. Then they get a bye week. And then you have, you know, the the path to the Big 12 championship is right in front of you. Kansas State's going to be a tough game. Uh, Baylor, at the end of the season, I don't think Baylor is anywhere near what anybody thought that would be. They always play Texas tough. Then Kansas, Kansas as defense is a typical Kansas defense. You gave up 52 and 700 yards of offense to Oklahoma, a team that didn't score a single point and didn't cross midfield the entire second half against Texas. So, not really worried about Kansas too much. If your starting quarterback is back, it'll be interesting. But uh, overall, it's still Kansas. Uh, it, I'm sorry. Until they do anything other than have a three four good game stretch, I'm not going to believe anything I see from them either. So, but it's in it's it's all in front of Texas. I'm sure Sark is saying this. Win this game on the road. It's another hurdle. It's another mountain you got to get over. You mountain you got to climb. Whatever cliche you want to use. If you get over this, this is just another, you know, notch of what we're trying to do. Another okay, this is another rung of the ladder. Okay, we we faced this, we've crossed this. Now let's move on to the next one. Bye week. Let's get let's get people healthy, and let's focus on this last part of the season to make a run of the conference championship. So, but yeah, it's going to be a fun. It'll be a tough game on Saturday. I anticipate a kind of maybe if if everybody's healthy in this game, this would be a fun, a absolute gem to watch. I would think this would be probably high scoring teams, both in the thirties or forties or something crazy, That typical Texas Oklahoma state game. But with Spencer Sanders being banged up and just throwing shoulder issues, and accuracy being affected due to the shoulder injury. I just got to take Texas just because if they're all healthy, even though that's on the road, I'll take the team that's got the better team across the board coaching. Sark on the road. has not been the best. So, you know, I'll say Gundy has the definite advantage there until proven otherwise. So, but yeah, 2719 is what we see coming from the Bevo broadcast. My name is Greg Schnoes. And as always, thank you for listening. And again, like and subscribe podcast. We appreciate that so much. Do us a solid if you could. And leave us that five-star rating. We most definitely would appreciate you doing so. So that's it for this one. Thank you so much. This has been the Bevo broadcast for the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. My name is Greg Schnoes, and I will talk to you again soon.